Well, the hardest thing in the world for a preacher to do is not preach. And so I am thankful for the opportunity. You know, I am, I am humbled every time I step on the platform and bring the Word of God. I am humbled that God would allow me to speak His Word, to bring His Word. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to share some things today from, from my heart, some things to, to kind of recap uh, what God's done, but at the same time, we're going to prepare you and look forward to, uh, to next year. And, uh, you know, I'll share some things that, that those that uh, are the old-timers around here that have, uh, that have been with us for a long time, I don't mean you're old, I just mean you've been here for a long time. Um, but uh, those of you who are old-timers, you already know this stuff. Some of you don't know this stuff. Um, that uh, uh, just where I came from, how I how I got here, and and uh, um, you know, the, it's it's not it's not about me. But what I want to share with you, and, and that that opening statement that I made about being humbled every time I speak the word of God, is that you know I grew up as the shy kid. I was the kid that that uh, I sat in, in the corner by myself in a, in a group of, uh, of people. I would sit uh, off by myself, didn't have much to say, uh, you know, and, and uh, just the, the, the fact that, that God took someone who you know, there was something that, that really hindered me in my ministry in the early going. I, I, I knew what God had called me to do, but I honestly believe that nobody wanted to hear what I had to say. And, uh, uh, you know, that, that was, a, was a hindrance to me for a long time, you know, because the, the truth is that what we believe is what we live out. And so, because I believed that, I lived that out. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I hear people say, well, you know, your church should be thousands of people by now or hundreds of, you know. And, and uh, honestly, um, for a lot of years, that really hindered me because I lived out what I believed. And uh, God had to begin to change my Thinking about that, and, uh, and and today, you know, I, I don't know if you want to hear it or not. I, I believe that you do, uh, but uh, but one thing I do know for sure is you need to hear what I got to say, and it's not because of uh, it's not because of me. It's because of what Holy Spirit has deposited on the inside of me. And, and, and over a lot of years of, of ministry, you know, I told someone uh, oh, five or six years ago, I said, I'm finally getting to the point that I think maybe I know something. And, uh, you know, 
40 years in ministry and, uh, or something close to that anyway, uh, years in ministry. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm finally starting to think that maybe I know a few things. And, uh, but uh, one of the things that, that has become a passion of my heart is souls. And how many of you are passionate about souls? You, you, you want to see souls come into the kingdom of God. And, and above all, you know, a good friend of mine used to say this all the time. He would say um, that any church that is not reaching for souls has, has denied the reason for their existence. Any church that's not reaching for souls has denied the reason for their existence. And I don't know who, who coined that. Uh, my friend used to say it, but I know he was quoting someone else. So I'm quoting someone who's quoting someone. But uh, um, nonetheless, it is, it is a fact that, uh, and my pastor that I came up under used to say it this way. He used to say, the reason for our existence and the reason God left you here on this earth after he saved you are two different things. He said, the reason for our existence is to, to worship God. He said, but the reason God left you here after he saved you, why didn't he just go ahead and take you to heaven? You know, could have saved you a whole lot of trouble. If he'd just taken you to heaven, you get saved, boom, go to heaven. Uh, but... The reason he left you here after he saved you is to seek and to save that which is lost. And, and, and so we exist today of all of the things that we do and all of the things that, that we invest our time and our energy and our resources in, in, in all of those things, uh, it all comes down to this, if we're not uh, if we're not rescuing people from hell, if we're, if we're not bringing people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, then we might as well just close the doors and go home. Uh, because that is the reason for our existence. And, and if everybody will look right over this way, um, core value number two on the wall there. I encourage you, read those core values often. Uh, but number two, let, let's just read that one together. One, two, three. The cross behind us, the world before us. The cross behind us, the world before us. Now, where did that come from? There, there's a song that, uh, you know, I grew up uh, uh, singing that says, you know, I have decided to follow Jesus. And one of the verses of that song goes, the world behind us, the cross before us. But I was, I was just thinking about that one day, and I, I hear the Spirit of God saying to me, no, the cross is your backing, but the world is before you. I told you to go into all the world and preach the gospel. So the world is before you. If you're going, but, it's, but, the, but the world is behind you, you must be walking backwards, 
right? Uh, so no, the cross is before is behind us. It is our backing with what Jesus did. See everything that we do, it is all because Jesus and His work at the cross is our backing. It is it is our support. It is the power that thrusts us forward to go to a world that is dying without Christ. I've got a, a missionary friend that says, I've got the greatest, world, uh, greatest job in the world. He says, I get to give living bread to dying men. Giving living bread to dying men. Praise God. And, and uh, you know, every time I, I have done missions work and I, I come home and I give the report of, uh, of people that came to Christ through that work, you know, I, I always think of this, this number of people, see, it's not, it's not about numbers, it's about, it's about souls, it's about people, but I always think, you know, it, this number of people will not go to hell. And over the last few years, we've set a goal every year for, uh, for salvations, and you know, we're not locked into that and, and, and get all upset if we don't reach a goal or, or something because it's about the people. It's about the people that we, that we reach. But a few years ago, I was getting ready to make a Philippine trip and uh, to, to do missions work there. And I, I knew what I was going to do. And uh, um, so I'm praying about that trip. And I hear the Spirit of God say to me, ask me for 500 souls on this trip. And uh, my first thought was to put it in my understanding of what I'm going to do. I know that I'm going to, to uh, encourage the, the, the pastors that we have there that are, that are doing a good work. I'm going to speak to Bible school students. And, and I'm thinking, Lord, I don't even know that I'm going to even see 500 non-Christians, non-believers. And, and he said, I said, ask me for 500 souls for this trip. And so uh, I said, okay. So I asked. Isn't it, you know, sometimes we think God can't do anything unless, uh, unless we have great faith. Well, I got to tell you, I was not in faith on that when I asked. I did not ask in faith. But I just asked in just simple, okay, Lord, you said to ask. So here we go. I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know how you're going to do it. Uh, I can't figure it out. You know, isn't that the great thing that we don't have to figure it out? <laughs> uh, we just have to do what he said. So I asked him for 500 souls. Well, that trip, I went, and uh, I went to a Bible school that we've gone to many times, and I think I'm going there, and we're going to uh, teach in the Bible school, which all of the students there are already saved, already born again, just speaking into their lives. But what I did not know was that they had an outreach planned for us while we were there. And so we went with the Bible school students and went to a, to a school, which, by the way, was a, a, a religious-based school. Um, but 
the it was people that, that, that this the particular religion really didn't talk too much about being born again and and knowing Jesus Christ as your person. It was all religion, okay. And uh, so I, I went that one meeting in that school. We had over 450 students in the school that accepted Jesus as their Savior that day. <laughs> then, the next week, I had an opportunity at the school. They had an event for senior citizens in the, uh, in the community, in the area. The senior citizens came in. I spoke to them, and, and within, uh, w- within two meetings, we almost had the 500. And uh, a couple of churches, and we always have, uh, you know, uh, the, these are small uh, village churches, and, and uh, uh, but we always have some salvations when we speak in those churches. And uh, so between those, those things right there, we came home and gave a testimony of over 500 people that will not go to hell. Um, the next year, I thought, okay, we're going to bump this up. We're going we're gonna to go for 1,000 this year. And COVID hit. And I thought, well, uh, there goes our 1,000. You know, uh, we're, we're not even going to get to make any mission trips. And uh, little did I know that a, a, a Pakistani pastor that I have been Facebook friends with for a few years, but I'd never met him face-to-face. Still haven't met him face-to-face. But uh, he contacts me and he says, we're going to do a village meeting online. Would you speak? And uh, so he he explained to me what was going to happen. And so we did that, and we began to work with this Pakistani pastor, that year we reported over a thousand souls that will not go to hell. Praise God. The next year, I got a little zealous and I said, this year we're going to believe God for 2,000 souls. We're going to ask God for 2,000. So we did. Come the end of that year, I don't know the exact number, but I know we were well short of 2,000. But you know what? We're not hung up on a number. It's about souls and not about us being, it's it's not about the bragging rights, okay? Because I can't boast of anything. You you know, I I didn't do any of that. All I did was open my mouth and say what, uh, what God gave me to say and, uh, and, and go where he sent me to go and, and we brought back the report. But come uh, 23, we said, okay, we didn't get 2,000 salvations last year, but we're going to ask again for 2,000 for this year. Well, at, here we are at the end of 23 and we now are reporting over 2,500. Uh, and, and so, um, next week, I will bring you the goal, 
And, and this is the reason I share this is because I need you to uh, be in agreement with us uh, for four souls. But I can tell you this, we are going to bump it up. Amen. Praise God. And because, you know, I believe that, that my God is about increase and not decrease. Praise God. And so, so we're going to bump that up, and, uh, but we're going to spend some time praying and deliver a, a, a goal to you for, uh, for 24. <clears throat> but I want you to get, get this. Let me read this verse to you. Psalm 2, verse number 8 says, Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possessions. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations. When's the last time you asked for nations? God, give us nations. Give us nations. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I know that that's prophetic of Jesus. And he, he was speaking of, uh, uh, prophetically of Jesus at, Asking for, Father saying, asking me, I'm going to give you the nations as your inheritance. But because I'm in Christ, praise God, his goals are my goals. Praise God. I, I, uh, I can take what was spoken concerning Jesus and I can apply that to me. Because I'm in Christ. We, I've been joined to the Lord. We're, we're one together. And if Jesus is asking for nations, I can say, God, give us nations. Give us nations. Praise God. And so um, we're going to ask for the nations. And then he said in Luke chapter 10, verse number 2, Jesus said this, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So whose harvest is it, first of all? His harvest, Jesus' harvest. Who is the Lord of the harvest? Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. Now, how many know what's the very next thing that he did right here? He, he told them, he said, ask for the nations, and the very, or, or excuse me, he said, ask for the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the harvest. The very next verse, he said, now you go. So I got to say this. If you're going to join me in asking for harvest, for the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the harvest field, better be prepared to go. Because I can tell you what Jesus is going to do. He's going to ask you to go. Now, I don't mean that he's going to say you've got to go physically and personally because there are many ways that we go. Uh, but he's going to say, I need you involved in the harvest. I need you involved in, in going into all the world and preaching the gospel. See, there's no one individual that can go into all the world. Nobody can do that individually. I, I've known some, some, in, some people over my lifetime that have preached the gospel in a whole lot of nations, but I have yet to meet someone that has preached the gospel in every nation that has gone into all the world. Uh, you know, it, it's, uh, 
in the Philippines, uh, most of my mission's work has been in the Philippines, and, and uh, the, the Philippine islands consist of 7,110 islands. And so um, I was just running numbers in my head one day, and I'm, I may be off just a little bit, but I'm really close um, because I was just calculating this in my head. But if you were to go to a different, just, just the Philippines, if you were to go to a different island every day, it would take you 20 years to visit every island. And so you can see that's just one country. That's just one nation. So there is no one individual that can go to every country, to every nation, to all the world. Uh, But we can all do something. Praise God. We can all be involved on some level. How many know that goers need senders? Praise God. And how many know that the one who gives a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple receives a disciple's reward? That's that's a Bible principle. When you connect with someone who is doing uh, the Great Commission, you become a partaker in that. Praise God. Praise God. You see, it's the, the, the Bible over and over and over again uses the, the uh, example of the farmer. And do you know the guy that sells diesel fuel to the farmer for his tractor is as important as the guy that sold him the tractor, who is as important as the guy who drives the tractor? Praise God. And is as, as important as the guy who works in the supermarket and sells you the food that the farmer produced. We all have a part in that harvest, praise God. And when you get involved, I'm not saying everyone needs to go. I've heard missionaries say stuff like that. And that's just really a, a, a misfortunate thing that, that they would say. Because not everyone can or should go physically. Now, I believe that everyone should go at least once. Uh, Because it gives you a a sense of compassion for for the world and for the harvest. But but as far as becoming a, a goer that you go physically all the time every year every month or, or move and live in a foreign land and and uh, uh, you know not everybody needs to do that not everybody needs to do that and some say well you know we've got a mission field right here at home that's true we do we do you got people on your block that don't know Jesus and so we have a mission field at home. But did you know that one, uh, 105 people, statistics say, 105 people go into eternity every minute. Worldwide, 105 people pass from this life into eternity. Now, 
if statistics are correct, then um, 70, I believe the number was uh, 72 of those 105 will enter eternity without Christ. What a tragedy. What a tragedy. That, that 72 people every minute enter eternity without Christ. Now, here's the great thing. Statistics say that one-third of the world's population, so one out of every three people worldwide, professes Christianity. Now, that could be, uh, you know, I'm sure that that's not an accurate number uh, because there are people who believe they're a Christian because their grandma was a Christian. And so, uh, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not talking about people with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, but but one-third profess Christianity. But let's just assume for one moment that that is an accurate statement, an accurate figure. One-third of the world's population has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you know what that means? That means that if every one of those one-third reach two, we finish the Great Commission. Do you realize that if, that is, if that's an accurate statement, then we could finish the Great Commission this afternoon? That's my point in, in, in making that statement and throwing out those numbers like that to show you that this great commission that we have thought is such a far-fetched thing that we can never get this done, it can happen very quickly. Praise God. You know, not to brag, but I have reached my two and some of yours twos also. Okay? So let's, let's get busy reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we can wrap this thing up very quickly. Jesus is coming soon, but the, uh, in, in, in writing the, the apostle Peter made this statement. He says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So if, I mean, think of it this way. How many of you have heard anybody ever say, well, you know, if the Lord doesn't come back Quickly, if Jesus doesn't come back quickly, then there's going to be no Christians left. There's going to be no believers left. Anybody ever heard someone make a statement like that? You know, for one, I think that's a horrible statement. Uh, two, I think that's a terrible, a terrible mindset and, and mentality. And I don't embrace that at all. But let me show you the fallacy in that. He says that 
Jesus is long-suffering, and he has not come back yet because he is not willing that any should perish. If his delaying his coming means that more people will be lost, then he's doing the wrong thing. If delaying his coming means more are lost, no, delaying his coming because he is not willing that any should perish, that tells me that the delay of his coming means more will be saved. Praise God. So I've been preaching for several years now that we are on the verge of the greatest harvest of souls that planet Earth has ever seen. Now, we need to stir up ourselves to be a part of the harvesters. Hallelujah. To be a part of the harvesters. And, 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 and I got to say that we are coming into the easiest time to win someone to Jesus that has ever been. Yes. And why do I say that? I say that because the world is desperate right now. Things are getting darker and darker and darker in the world, but that means that your light is brighter and brighter and brighter. Yes. Hallelujah. So Jesus has called us to be the harvesters. He has called us to go... now. There's, there's a whole lot involved in being a harvester. You know, you can uh, think of it this way. Back when I was a kid, now I, I never really did this myself, but, uh, but my older brother used to go uh, and spend summers with an uncle in Oklahoma that was a uh, cotton farmer. And he would pick cotton. And, uh, but the way they did it then was they had this big sack and they would pick the cotton and put it in the sack, pick the cotton, put it in the sack. Now over near my house in La Herta, uh, they harvest cotton over there with a big machine that they drive across the field and they get as much in about 10 seconds as what a a harvester was getting, you see, we're coming into the, into the day of the harvesting machine, so to speak. Praise God. Because God is, 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 uh, is preparing, the Lord of the harvest is preparing. This is why he is saying, pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into the harvest field. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, we had better be ready for harvest. I don't want to be hearing about the harvest somewhere else. I want to be harvesting. Praise God. Praise God. And so uh, I really did not intend to, to go there at all today. But I, I really just felt like the Spirit of God was, was prompting us to do that. But you see, there are certain tools that harvesters use. When my brother was doing it, 
Here was your tool and a sack that you put it in. That was the tool. Now the machine, the big machine, is the tool. Praise God. But there are tools that Jesus gave us for the purpose of the harvest. What we have to understand is we, we talk about gifts of the Spirit. We talk about the glory of God. We talk about the outpouring of manifestations of, of, of signs and wonders and miracles and healings. Do you realize those are tools? Those are tools for the harvest. That's not the end game. That's not what we're shooting for. Yes, miracles and signs and wonders are wonderful, and they are, uh, they are essential for getting the harvest. Praise God. But I, I, I've said this, that um, signs and wonders and miracles are more needed over the back fence than on the front pew. So what does that mean? Well, here's what it means. It means that it's more important that signs and wonders and miracles be done out there than in here. We love it when they happen in here. And that's great, and I'm all for that. I'm not against that, and we're not going to in any way squelch that or shut that down. But what, what would thrill me more, and I believe thrill the Lord more, is when you go to your workplace, when you go to the softball complex, when you go to the grocery store, when, when uh, you know, as, as Peter and John on the, uh, just a few days after uh, the day of Pentecost, they went up to the temple in the hour of prayer, they didn't make it to the temple before signs and wonders and miracles and healings started happening. Praise God. They met a man there that had been sitting at the temple gate and, and he's begging alms, and they say, silver and gold, we don't have, but what we have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Praise God. Praise God. You know, signs and wonders were more needed at the temple gate that day than in the temple. Praise God. Praise God. Signs and wonders and miracles are more needed at your family reunion than they are in the church. Signs and wonders and miracles are more needed when you sit down across the desk from someone at work that is, their, their life is a wreck. Their, 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 uh, their body, they just got a, a report that they're probably not going to live till this time next year. And you can say, what I have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I give to you. Yes. Praise God. But see, here's the problem. And this is where we're going next year. I, I can't hardly keep from preaching it today, but I have to. Um, but this is where we're going that, that, you know, you would say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Here's what I have to give you. But here's what the church has said. Only God can do that. Only God can heal. Then why did Jesus send out 12 and then later send out 70 and he told them, heal the sick? 
They weren't even born again. You should, they weren't born again? Oh, they weren't born again because Jesus was the firstborn from the dead and he was not born again yet. He hadn't died yet. And so these were men that, that were not even born again, but Jesus sent them out and he said, heal the sick. So if Jesus told them, heal the sick, why do we say, oh God, please heal the sick? He's saying, you know, why don't you just believe what I told you? Why don't you just do what I told you to do? Why don't you heal the sick? Now, get at this. When, when we heal the sick, it's not by our own strength. Peter acknowledged that. Peter and John acknowledged that when the lame man at the gate beautiful got up and walked. They acknowledged that it wasn't their own ability, their own strength, their own might, but it was because of the greater one that was resident on the inside of them. Jesus didn't even heal the sick because he was the son of God. Jesus healed the sick because... God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Look it up in Acts 10, 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. That's why Jesus healed the sick. So why would I think I could do it in my own ability, in my own might, my own strength? You know, I healed the sick because God, the same God that was with Jesus is with me. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I guarantee you, when the lame get up and walk, they're going to want to hear about the Jesus that you're preaching. Praise God. Their ears are going to be open to hear about Jesus. You know, my... My, my pastor used to always say that healing is God's calling card. Healing is God's calling card. Because when the sick get healed, their ears suddenly are open to the gospel. Praise God. And then the church messed things up by going and saying, well, God didn't heal sinners. What a dumb statement to make. That, that's like saying God doesn't save bad people. <laughs> he saves terrible people. He saves, he saves the worst of people. Praise God. He heals sinners. He heals unbelievers. And believer, uh, unbelievers become believers because Jesus heals them. Praise God. Praise God. So we're coming into a time of harvest. Let's get equipped for the Harvest. Hallelujah. And this coming year, we're going to be talking about where God's wanting to get us to. And I've had people say, well, God's trying to get something to you. No, he's trying to get you to something. And what he's trying to get you to is your original purpose. Your origin. What what man was created and put on this planet for, praise God. God is wanting to get us, and, and let me just put it, I've said it already, so uh, not today, but uh, I've said it in, in, in recent days, that um, God said, God told us what our purpose was. 
when he created man, actually before he created man, here's what he said. Let us create man in our image and in our likeness and let them have dominion. That's what you were created for. You were created for dominion. You were created to rule this place, this earth. You were created for authority. You were created for dominion. Praise God. And we're going to learn how to walk in the dominion that God has given us to walk in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But the church has spent way too long asking God to do what he told you to do. And he's never going to do it. He is never going to do what he told you to do. Praise God. He did some things already to make that possible. See, here's what he said. He blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. The blessing, what was the blessing? The blessing was the empowering to do what he told you to do. Praise God. Praise God. Be fruitful and multiply. Hallelujah. Well, I am so excited about 24. I could preach until 24. Uh, But we won't do that. But, you know, let's, let's come next Sunday with an anticipation and see, God, I want to go where you're wanting to get me to. I, I want to go there. I don't want to be a spectator. I don't want to be watching somebody else go there. I don't want to hear about the stories. I'm, I'm, I'm planning on going. Hallelujah. Praise God. And it's not for, it's not for a, a, a select group of people. It's for whosoever will. Praise God. Whoever will decide, I'm going. Praise God. He wants to take you there. Praise God. He wants to take you to your original purpose because God never changed his mind about what he created man for. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now you want me to preach what I had for this morning? (laughs) Can't do it. Can't do it. But... uh, We'll get it in there sometime, some way. Praise God. Danica asked for Prince One. I think your mic's still on. Okay. Mic's still on. My mic is still on. (laughs) Okay. I thought I turned it off. Okay. I might as well just say it out loud then. (laughs) Danica asked for prayer this morning, so... So, Danica, would you come? Would you come and let us pray for you this morning? Praise God. Praise God. She's going into surgery Thursday. Is it Thursday? Yeah. Thursday. And uh, we believe that uh, doctors are going to be able to do what they need to do. And, uh, and, and you're going to come out of that uh, 
restored back to health. And uh, so if, if you believe that you can lay hands on the sick and they recover, I'm not going to ask everybody to come up here and lay hands on her. I'm going to do that. But I want you to extend your hands this way. Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, we just thank you that Jesus bore all of our pain, that he, he bore those injuries in his body so that, that Danica's body can be healthy and whole. And we just speak now in the name of Jesus. And we declare, Father, you said that these signs would follow those who believe. You said they would lay hands on the sick, on the, on the injured, and they would recover. So, Father, we just release that healing, and I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they decide they don't even need to do that. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. One thing I do know is that Jesus wants you healthy. He wants your legs strong. Praise God. In Jesus' name, receive that now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. While we're at it, anybody else? You need healing in your body. I just want to invite you to come right now. And you need healing in your body. Praise God. Nobody's moving. You know what that means? That means you're healthy, right? Praise God. And that's okay. Uh, in fact, that's awesome. You know, what's, what's better than getting healed? It's not needing to be healed, right? Okay. All right. Well, if you have never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity. The greatest thing you could do to wrap up 2023 is make Jesus the Lord of your life. Hallelujah. Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So you say, well, what am I, what am I believing? What is it I'm believing? You're believing that Jesus came to this earth. He took your place on a cross that had your name on it, you belonged on that cross. It was the penalty for all of your sins. But Jesus went there instead of you. He went there in your place. He identified with you. He became you on that cross. Nails were driven through his hands. Crown of thorns on his head. His back was beaten. Spear thrust through his side. And he did that all because that penalty, that, that punishment belonged to you, but he was not willing that you should have to endure that. So he did it in your place. Then three days later, he was raised from the dead so you could have new life. And the confession with your mouth, I'm not talking about confessing all your sins, I'm not talking about, you know, I don't know anybody in here that could do that. You know. But I'm talking about a confession of verbally acknowledging 
that you need a Savior. That, that means you have sinned. And you need a Savior. And you're acknowledging that God has provided one for you in the person of Jesus. Praise God. So whether you're watching online or whether you're sitting in this room, I want us to all pray this together. And if you mean what you're saying, then according to God's word, you will be saved. You say, well, I'm already saved. That's all right. You can, you can never confess Jesus too many times. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let's just all say that together. Say this. Say, God in heaven, thank you that you were willing to punish Jesus in my place so that I don't have to bear the punishment for all of my sins. But he suffered for me. And because he paid the penalty in full, I will never have to pay that penalty. Thank you, Jesus, for hanging on that cross for me. Thank you, Father, for raising him from the dead. And in so doing, I can have new life. Jesus, I invite you to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Now, according to God's word, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, you're saved now. Praise God. I want you to go to my website, wolcarlsbad.com. There's a, a, a button there called I Choose Jesus, and that's a, 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 how you get, a, there's a little ebook called I Choose Jesus. And you can download that absolutely free of charge. And the purpose of the book is to help you begin to walk in, uh, out your Christian, your, your choice to follow Jesus. How to begin to live that out in your life. Praise God. That's what it's for. And we want you to have that. Praise God. So please do that. Hallelujah.